You about to about to freestyle. You about to about to freestyle. About to about to freestyle. About to about to freestyle. You're my name, Pastor Todd, and I'm here to say that I love fruity pebbles in a major way. <laughs> yes, we back, baby. This is what happens we when we back. take two weeks off. <laughs> we on CP time. We we are, we we late. We are we are we are CP time. We're rapping. Uh, we, we 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 brought the foolery with us. We gotta <laughs> we make here. up. We gotta make up for, for two weeks of foolishness. <laughs> have you all missed us? We know you have. Have you not missed us? Oh man, we know your hearts have been burning. Tears have flowed. Flow. Well, what else did y'all do on Sunday night without us? Nothing. I, I, mean, I, I didn't know what to do without drugs. Us. <laughs> I mean, people People have just fallen off the wagon, backslidden. It was like Sunday night of the walking dead. This, that's what happens when you stop having Sunday night service. You lose the saints. Well, you, you lose the saints. This is why the saints don't pray no more. They, they don't pray no more. They don't they pray like Sunday. they used to. They don't pray like that. They don't tarry. They don't the tarry like they used to. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, welcome, welcome to Religiously Incorrect Podcast. We've been on summer hiatus, taking vacations, being with our families, doing the daggone thing. We miss Father's Day. Yeah, Todd got his wife pregnant again. Yeah, man, we got baby number 19 <laughs> coming. Let me, let me, let me, let me, yeah. that is a rumor. That yeah, is false. Right. That is false. Right. That is false. I'm just My playing. about the ring right now. <laughs> no, we celebrated our 17th anniversary. Yes. yes. 17 Happy years, man. Absolutely. 17 years. Absolutely. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That turned 40. Oh, wow. Happy birthday. From the big 4 and uh, you know, it, it's been one of those one of those times. Pastor Tatum already sent me a a, a lightweight warning slash threat mm-hmm. that if we come to New York one more time without seeing her, uh oh, and Pastor Osborne, we're gonna be in trouble. I can't believe y'all done that. I can't believe y'all ain't gonna see Pastor. It's harder no than you think to get around, man. You know what? That trip to Harlem cost us enough money. I'm like, listen, you know what? Everybody has an excuse. Everybody has an excuse. And they're all, you know, y'all, you know the same. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Everybody has an excuse. So, what you been up to the last two weeks, Man, Pastor I, Jeff? I, I, I last, well, this week I was in Toledo, and uh, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, been moving around. You been know, moving we, around. I've been moving around. Pastor Jeff celebrated his first official pastoral anniversary Woo! at the Progressive Baptist Church. We want to shout it out, even though he's technically been there since like 1952. <laughs> <laughs> they wasn't sure they want to make me pass. It took that's, a while. That's how unsure. You it, know. it took a while. They was like, well, we ain't got nobody else viable. <laughs> times times are filled with swift transitions. <laughs> we ain't got nobody else viable. So Big Mike told him well. no. Big Mike said no. Stop calling me. I'm not doing it. But congratulations. Big Glenn, what's happening, Big Glenn? Pastor Glenn Pastor spoke Glenn. for us last week yeah, at 8 a.m. Yeah, Did a yeah. phenomenal job. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's just one of one of those things, man. But it feels like the world has blown up since we since we last did did a show. Okay, oh, I got God. I got uh, I got my, my alerts going yeah. off. The, the world the world has absolutely went crazy. crazy. Uh, you know, President Biden's uh, ratings is lower than my Miss Pac Man score. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like a nineteen percent. I think only Elias likes him at this point. <laughs> He's falling off bikes. <laughs> this guy, Jesus, yeah, this I guy, mean, my yeah. I, my my wife said this. My wife said, President Biden is sitting at the chessboard, chess sitting at the table playing chess, 
and the Republicans have already flipped over the table and left. And wow. Moved. Wow. That that's a good analogy. It's a good analogy. But, but I mean, we wanted normalcy. In a way, this is kind of normalcy. Like, this is not the first time you have to be. Oh, I'm, I'm a history nerd. Right. But good guy presidents like that, like mm-hmm. Jimmy Carter and like they're good guy presidents. Right, That's right. what we wanted after the last guy. But they often end up having sucky economies and things go terrible, partly because they're good guys in a way like they're good. They're not fighters. They're not going to force their way. They and I heard one guy say it the best. He like lives in a world that doesn't exist. Right. And so I don't you know, I'm still grateful to have a at least decent man. That's my opinion as a president. Uh, who, but but man, I, I just think this is beyond any one person. And it's like, I mean, bread is. Now, why don't we have any uh, Democratic Trumps? We need we need a Democratic <sighs> Trump. Just somebody who just don't give up. You know De- what I mean? Democrats are cowards, man. I'm telling you. I, I Democrats mean, are cowards. You know what need, I mean? We need a Democratic somebody, you know. They're like holler and scream and march and stuff, man, but they don't really force their need, way. The we way need they Michael Rappaport to become Yeah, president. right, right. <laughs> well, like a Mark Cuban, like a Mark Cuban, like, like right. we need a business person. But uh, and I'm not, I hate to say we because I, I don't even identify with either party anymore. Uh, you know, I really don't because there are many things I do not agree with with the Democrats. Uh, but I just feel like the Republicans have made it so hard on the social side and the people that take their side. But truth be told, I think we don't take a hard enough look. And we, we could have a whole other show about that as black people and Christians at what some of these platforms are anyway, which which brings us to two. We have one party that's OK with overthrowing the government and another party has fallen apart. Because uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned. Roe v. Wade. Uh, what do you What do you feel about that? I mean, six weeks. Six weeks now. I, I don't think my wife found out she was pregnant till uh, probably two, maybe maybe three months. You know, I feel like our buddy Holbrook would say about evangelicals, like, I don't even like the title of pro life. Mm-hmm. I'm pro-life, but I'm not that guy pro-life. Like right, that, right. what's been portrayed. And quite frankly, I think labels have screwed us up altogether because it's all about what camp you're in. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you pro-life? Are you pro-choice? It's like, actually, I mean, I, I don't think I fit cleanly in either one. I think life is insanely complicated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a deeper thing. We'd have to do another whole show about it because it's not just about legal precedent. It's also about theology. Yeah. And I'm just going to drop this. A lot of the scriptures we use for pro-life don't really apply to what we think they do. That's all I'm going to say. They don't apply. They don't apply. And they don't, especially the Jeremiah one, especially the Jeremiah one. Before you were in the, before you, did you even read it? Before. It's not, a, that's not about the conception. Mm-hmm. It's about God's foreknowledge. Right. Right. It's not about determining a time when life becomes something. And truth be told, Jewish, Ju- Judaic thought, traditional Christian thought in scripture talks about breath being taken is what gives life. Well, but there are very deep to me concerns about the flippantness that we 
have taken abortion over the past 50 years since Roe v. Wade oh, has been. Definitely. And I, that's my concern. That is not even about med- People are like not even talking about medical necessity or rape or incest as much as they're saying my body, my choice, and just kind of screaming that as a power thing. And again, whenever you just start screaming slogans and that becomes the position is a slogan, that's dangerous on any side. It's dangerous when it's just a slogan, a cliche, and that becomes your doctrine for life and death. And, and, and I do believe that, that a living thing is, is dying when you commit it, when an abortion happens. I think it's more complicated than we make it. I mean, what's your take on where the world is going? I mean, what are well, we going to see? I, I, well, I think, I think what the world, well, not even what the world, what the church has to do, what the church has to do is now we have to set, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it set up, but there has to be some type of precedent set because there are going to be those who cannot have and how do we treat those who uh would like to not have this baby and would like not you know what do we do for these young unwed mothers who you know what i mean maybe we have to actually start being the church that's that's what i'm saying we have to set up some type of precedent and uh sometimes not not even precedent but some type of help one guy did take offense. I saw on a Twitter post, and it, it, it ended up not being the first guy, because once you click on one, you start reading a bunch right, of other right. ones. And he was like, you know, all you guys saying now the church needs to do this, and now the church needs to do that, and you're not pro-life, you're pro-birth, and blah, 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 blah. He's like, that's a direct insult to many of us who have spent our lives ministering to unwed mothers and unexpected pregnancies and Absolutely. taking in children and advocate. So. I think we all and I, you know, we all get into hyperbole and extreme thoughts and we sometimes join in with the world with doing that. But I do think that the church practically invented the hospital, the the church worldwide. It might not always be the churches we know and see and shame on us that we're often not a part of that movement. Uh, But there are a lot of churches that do have compassion beyond the womb and are working. And and I think that, again, we get caught up in the slogans and, and whose side and camp you're on. And we, we all can do that. I, and I totally agree, but yeah. I just do believe that there's more than there, we can there, handle. Yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be, I just believe there's going to be a, a, a onslaught of, of, of mothers who, who, who really need the help. And I think we, we need to be there. You know, a statistic nobody ever talks about that. Uh, abortion has been at its lowest levels. It, that it has been in decades. Mm. I think the 2017 was one of the graphs I saw recently, like it was at its lowest level. And one thing that we still have to work on, I think, and advocate for, whether you're a politician or just a citizen, is the number one preventer of uh, abortion besides holiness, of course, <laughs> you know, and abstinence, <laughs> is strong economic policy that lifts people out of poverty. That lifts people out of poverty because when you do provide resources to families and an opportunity for uplift, and that does include accountability on the part of the persons, you know, whether it's job, you know, making good choices, Uh, but strong economic policies and assistance to families makes people feel more secure having children if the economics are a part of it. Now, rape, incest, that is a reality that we don't like to talk about, but it is real. And by the way, here's my mic drop. The rich folk will still have access to abortions. Amen. Let's just be clear. Somebody said, what happens when all them preachers and politicians side chicks get pregnant? (laughs) Wow. Wow. What what scares me more than more than even abortion, though, is is these mothers who are having kids. And and I'm watching it every day where these mothers are leaving their kids in the cars. And, you know, you know, these mothers 
who having six and seven and eleven kids and not taking care of any of them. Okay, I'm about to I, I'm about I'm about to shoot in on you. Then we're gonna get off of this. How about we talk about them fathers? Well, definitely. That's oh, making yeah, the well, six and eleven kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, half I, of I these know. fathers is only making one. <laughs> they they might only make one, but nah, they, they make more than I'm one. I'm just I'm just saying because a lot. Mother? I'm just saying, but some some of these mothers have, you know, various various, and they have and, and, and they a lot have of various. And don't mothers. get me wrong, yeah, that's you are correct. Oh, I know they have various you. mothers. I point a few various, various mothers. You're absolutely right. Drop and some they, names. Definitely the, the father. <laughs> you see. <laughs> And definitely, we, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot go without talking about these uh, deadbeat dads. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. So yeah, I mean, yeah. accountability. I mean, I just hate that this mother, 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 mother. It does take two to tango. You are absolutely right. And and you know, I'm and and by the way, okay, this does take a little extra few minutes because of the subject matter. The whole make every man get a vasectomy is not the answer either. I mean, it's just not even. It doesn't even make sense. It's not even a good equivalency between completely preventative, you know, versus. Conception does occur. Baby is form forming in the womb and, you know, terminating that right. is a whole lot different. You know, I get it. I get the sentiment. I get the anger of it. Uh, this is religiously incorrect. So I'm going to just say what I've been saying for a while is stop letting angry white liberal women to dictate uh, policies for black folk because they don't have the exact same concerns that we do, to be Absolutely. honest. They don't. Absolutely. They don't. I'm, I'm not being smart or funny. I love all y'all, but some of the people doing the most ranting and raving in D.C. are not about to come to the hood and help nobody with nothing. So while you're talking about the church not helping nobody, evangelicals, not any conservatives, they ain't doing it either. They just walking around with them hats on their head and stuff, talking about they hate Trump and everything <laughs> else. So that, that's just me. And, and, and I, I really hope for a resolution that more or less just takes care of people. Yes. Not so much uh, pushes any policy. Uh, and something's going to happen, a way around it. But it is what it is. But, you know, we're going to have to do a whole show just to yeah, unpack. We're going to do it. We're going to unpack it. We're but it's worth talking about because this yeah. has rocked our world. Yeah. And I haven't even spoken on it on social media because what's the point at this right, point? Right, I mean, it's right. just argument, you know, argument feed at this point. Uh, we want to hit our sponsor. I forgot how to do this show. Are we doing this meme of the week? It's the meme of the week right first? now, right? It's time for meme of the week, y'all. Meme of the week. Hey, tag, tag somebody, comment, get ready for meme of the week. I don't even know what we're about to see. Meme of the week. Meme of the week. Welcome to Religiously Incorrect, ladies and gentlemen. Meme of the week. Meme of the week. Thank you. Send us your memes of the week. These are all jokes. We are just playing. I just see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> How the pastor looks on the flyer. <laughs> Leave that up because that is good, man. That is good. That is good. How the pastor looks on the flyer versus how he looks when you go to the church. Man, Bucket, how the church looks on the flyer <laughs> versus how it looks when you get there. I mean, yeah, yeah, that that is right, man. I mean, what do you expect? You we're gonna put a rough picture on the flyer. I mean, some people do, but you you gonna get our best side just like anybody else. I mean, it's but but sometimes it is over the top or that person that has not taken a picture in like twenty years. 
Right, right, right. Well, I'm gonna be honest. They have like their high school senior photos. Oftentimes, when I, especially when I take pictures, it's right before I get my beard done or right after I get my beard done. So I got it all you got crisp. down there. It's yeah, all crispy and then all. Then you show up, good. you like Moses. Yeah. <laughs> Sweat from Aaron's beard. You look like old man Jethro. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we all have it or your hair has changed or you know you got the old pictures without the beard i i've i've got the scraggle going then i got the fresh face pictures uh yeah that's that that is the interesting one or sometimes people use pictures without your permission and just go on your that's the that is the facebook preacher's kryptonite is people who have invited you to an event yeah. or whatever and they just go find their own picture. And why they scroll all the way down to 2013 <laughs> when you first started your Facebook page? <laughs> I, or I, a selfie. I love Elder Carter. She's probably watching right now. But she loves me without the bear. So every time she posts something, she, wants, action, a picture she without, wants a picture without the bear. I'm like, stop doing this, I'm, Elder Carter. We rebuke you. I have a bear. We rebuke that beardless spirit. Bear. Okay. He is getting back in touch with his black Israelite <laughs> roots. <laughs> <laughs> I go to action functions. They be like, "Who are you, sir? Who are you? Are <laughs> you the help?" <laughs> yeah, that that's that's a good one, you know. And we we all have to be wary of that. That that we're wary of that. If, if you have a meme of the week, you can send it to us at religiouslyincorrectpodcast at gmail or email or inbox. Excuse me, us. Uh, uh, what Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. We might use. We might not. But that was a classic. I, I like that one. We might have to add that to the intro. I like it. Yeah, yeah that, that was a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. Let's thank our sponsors. We haven't been on for a while, so we have to do extra long uh, ads to, to really promote Phillips Care family of businesses. Man, you better get that money, Mike. You better get that money. Like Frank Lucas, they thought I forgot, but I'm going to get that money. I'm going to get Bumpy's money. All right. Phillips Care Cleaning Service. They do residential and commercial cleaning. Call my man, Fernando. And I always say it is so much more than cleaning. They do indoor, outdoor services, all types of repairs, home improvement, carpet cleaning. And I mean the real stuff, not just the thing you rent from, uh, you know, uh, Giant Eagle. Uh, you, you get the real work. thing. Right. It doesn't worry. Just make your carpet wet and stank and moldy because <laughs> uh, you use too much water. Check out Phillips Care Cleaning Service. Call Fernando at 330-219-7916. Tell them Religiously Incorrect sent you. They'll get you right no matter what your household needs are. And while you're at it, I might have to call them because my ride mower broke and I'm in tears. Uh, Phillips Lawn Services. Brother, it's scissors. <laughs> Phillips Lawn Care Services have been in business for over 10 years, serving Tremble, Mahoning, and surrounding areas. They will do your mowing, your edging, your trimming, removing debris, cutting down small trees, bushes, all that stuff. Leaves, they take care of everything. Again, call 330-219-7916 or look up Phillips Care LLC on Facebook. They are not only proud sponsors, but wonderful black-owned businesses in the region, and they are just growing and by the way they're also hiring they're also hiring i'm sure if you know somebody needs a job get them hooked up they'll learn some skills make some money and help to add to the economy so thank you if you'd like to be a sponsor once again send us your information at religiously incorrect podcast at gmail.com we have a form ready for you to complete so that you can be exposed with you and your business to our millions of visitors across the globe they will all be exposed to your brand pastor jeff introduce us and now and now the moment you've all been waiting for the hour is far spent hours far spent we've been in church saints for some time now but we do have a 
a preacher. There's a preacher in the house. There's a preacher in the house. There's a word from the Lord. Oh, my God. Tell us about it. Listen, get ready. We are excited to have with us on today the missionary, the myth. A a real missionary. A real missionary. And we're going to talk about it in a few minutes. But she is a phenomenal preacher. You called her a myth. (laughs) I mean, the legend, legend. legend, excuse me. (laughs) Listen, she is, she is not only a preacher. She is not only a missionary. She, she, she does a little bit of rapping, music artist, dancing. She does all, she does all kinds of stuff. She'd be all up in your videos. Right, right, right. Her husband think he can ball. He can ball. Um, (laughs) But uh, listen, give it up for my girl. Cassandra Lavelle. Hey. Bring it in, bring it in, everybody. Let's give some religious, religiously incorrect love. Good to yes, see you. Yes, yes, yes. Good How are you? I'm doing well. Right. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much. We have a couple things we want to talk about today. Uh, the name of our show today is what is it? Oh. <laughs> it is mission, it's missions, millennials, missions, and misinterpretations. See, this, I, this, I got this it. is your title, part. right? I got it. I got it. More, I knew you was gonna forget. <laughs> I almost put it up. I knew you was gonna forget. It's like you're getting your own sermon. <laughs> I've done that before. Oh, I have too. <laughs> We've done it. We I all have. done. It. But listen, so we want to talk about. First of all, I want to talk because you do some phenomenal missionary work. So I just want you to tell us a little bit about the missionary work that you do. I know you you got a trip coming up, but you've been all over. Just give us a, a brief background of what you do missionary-wise. First of all, she is a member of, Lord have mercy. Now I'm, I'm forgetting everything. I'm forgetting. Where do you go to church? No, no, no. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. It is met, metro, I know, it's metro. Metro Assembly. I yes, Metro Assembly on South Avenue. And yeah, and I got a chance to meet your pastor the other day during the nonviolence walk. I, you know, we met him on Facebook when I met on his show and things, but I, I he was just phenomenal. He was just a great guy, very fun, very loving. So thank God for him. Just so, got to a scrap at the nonviolence walk, didn't you? <laughs> didn't you scrap with somebody? Yeah, I was fighting. Uh, nah. <laughs> but but he was he was just great. We we held we held it there at your church. So but he was f- phenomenal. So tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, again, my name is Cassandra Lavelle. I've been married seventeen years, uh, three children, and my daughter's in college. Well, our daughter is in college. Her second year in college, going into her third year. Um, we got a, a junior in our house of high school, and then a freshman. So y'all pray for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I love the Lord and I am a missionary. I've been blessed to be able to travel to um, Central America to preach the gospel, Haiti, Dominican Republic, and Africa as well. Um, I run a nonprofit, which is a missions ministry. I'm a president of a nonprofit called Mtoto International, which is, uh, it means children in Swahili. And so what we do is we travel to Africa and we preach the word of God and we actually provide monthly um, sanitary towels for young women. And so here in the States, we call them pads, but over there we call it sanitary towels. And basically um, some young girls, teenagers, if they don't have the funds to get pads, they end up sleeping with men and selling their bodies and things like that. So that they can get the pads that they need so that they can go to school. And so um, we strongly believe that every person deserves to get an education and a young woman should not have to sell her body to be able to get menstrual pads. You know what I'm saying? To be able to go to get her education. So we try to help out with that. And we also provide lunch, uh, monthly lunches for, uh, 
a school called St. Mark's in East Africa, in Kenya, Africa. And so, yeah, that's some of the work that we do, but I love going and, and just preaching the word and building relationship and just um, being able to share the love of Jesus through word and deed. Love it. Uh, I love seeing a black sister and any person of color involved in missions, because that's not the image that we normally see in Western Christianity. Uh, and of course we know that God is no respecter of persons concerning race, but we also know the, the call for all to be involved in ministry and how uh, the idea of ethnicity and race is all represented and it should be represented here too. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you've taken on that challenge. Uh, can you talk to us about what are some of the biggest barriers and struggles you have as a missionary and, and what gets in the way of, of missionary work? Um, so some of the biggest barriers, honestly, well, it's depending on where I go. So I would say sometimes culturally, because we are, you know, Western Christ Christians, um, going over to the East, the cultures are different. So, you know, I'm, I'm a female who's have tattoos everywhere and stuff like that. And so sometimes like when I go, I have to wear long sleeves the entire time I'm there whenever I'm ministering because I can't, they will not allow me to preach the word. Um, because in some areas in Africa, they believe you work, you work witchcraft if you're tatted up. So, <laughs> so that's mm. um, something that I learned. Um, so that's, that's one thing. And then here on this side, honestly, so I go to Metro, um, it's a part of the assemblies of God. And honestly, in the assemblies of God, you don't see many females who look like me, people, you know, women of color who are anointed to preach the word and, and as a missionary, um, and so it's very rare and I hate that it's rare, but I know that God is moving. He's, he's doing some things. He's raising some people up, but sometimes it's just hard just because you are female and you do look different and it's not the norm. And even going to Africa, they're, they're a lot, they're surprised a lot when we come over and when we go, we've gone and it's, our mission team sometimes have been all black, which is very rare because usually mm -hmm. it's white people going honestly do a mission. Yeah. That, that that's that's major that the, the things that uh one guy in the lock carry convention that i'm a part of uh, which is a black missions organization that he recounted that time that they all got off the bus uh i want to say they were in haiti and uh they the first word out of the natives mouths were where are the white people like wow. like where are the white people like who are you why what are you here for wow. and so that's how rare it is and, and you're absolutely right I want to I want to play devil's advocate for just a few minutes, because there are a lot of people who would say, um, you know, why are we going to Africa? Why are we going to Haiti? We have so much work that needs to be done here. Um, so many people are suffering and going through trials and tribulations here. What would you say as a missionary to how, how would you rebuttal that question? Yeah, so I've gotten that question several times, honestly, even from my own family. Um, it, sometimes it wasn't a question. It was a good, almost uh, trying to cuss me out or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um, the way I respond is number one, I don't just go over there, but I'm out here in the streets in Youngstown. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm a part of, I'm a volunteer at now Youngstown. So we hit the high crime neighborhoods every Tuesday, right? Preaching the word, walking, um, going door to door, evangelizing, witnessing and praying. And so, you know, I do work here faithfully. And so, so that's the first thing I always try to let people know. I'm not just someone who's just going over there, 
but we believe in across the street and across the sea. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I like that's that. one thing. Yeah, so that's one thing I try to tell people. Um, I also have the opportunity to to minister at a drug rehab rehab once a month for all women. I do that as well. That's local in the city of Youngstown, right? Um, and then I'm also getting ready to be on the street team for Rahab Ministries, which we gonna hit the strip clubs and talk to strippers and pray with them and bring them meals and just love on them. And so when people say that to me, I'm like, you got the wrong one because I'm out here, right? I'm out here. And then my second question, my rebuttal would be, what are you doing? Why are you worried about this? Come on, come on. What are you doing? If the need is necessary, the need needs to be met. And God has called me and sent me. What are you doing about it? Don't bring me the problem if you don't have a solution or you don't want to be a part of the solution. So that's that's one thing. I, that's one way I have responded several times um, to people to let them know. So there's work being done here and there's work being done there. But we all have to do our part. Pastor Todd just texted me. He wants to know how to get on that Rahab. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say he that. wants to know how to get on that Rahab ministry. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> you got a I was waiting on it. I was waiting on that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You didn't get me. I was gonna get Big Mike anyway. Because Big Mike perked up over there. He was like, "Word, I think I done found my ministry." Yeah. No, okay. So the, men, the men are not allowed to go in. They can drive. Men the aren't allowed. The men can drive the van for security, but it's the females that's going in there. Oh wow! Okay. Wow. Yeah. We got it. No, but I mean, that's much love and respect to that. I mean, because that's that that that's that's a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, you know, I haven't heard of it around here. You know, I've only heard of it in bigger, you know, larger cities. But uh, I love it. You know, we we talked about the barriers and and the people who say, you know, you know, why not? And as Pastor Jeff said, but then there are people who don't they don't necessarily oppose it, but they don't support it either. Mm. And black churches churches historically. Uh, the vast majority don't have a large connections with missions work. Now I will say to give credit that a lot of us just haven't been exposed to those who are doing the work. Right. Uh, Church of God in Christ has actually a strong missions arm now. And they started that under Bishop Blake uh, and it continued under their new Bishop. The AME church has some missions work that they do. I'm a part of the lot carry Baptist foreign missions convention, which they've recently changed their name. It's not just Baptist, uh, but lot carry was uh, a 18th century black missionary. Of course he went to Liberia, you know, to help found a country Liberia. So there was another political situation to that, but I was proud to be a part of that and be exposed to that. But I never heard of it until I had become connected with Second Baptist, and I just happened to connect with the pastor, Pastor Simon, who was heavily involved, and no other pastors were talking about it. And then when I started talking about it, no other pastors were heavily interested. And I think a part of that is historically, and I'm just soapboxing here, and you can bounce off of this. What Pastor Jeff said is true. The black community and black ministries tend to have more of an immediate focus, and they often have more limited resources and can't, and I mean historically now, sometimes we are swimming in it and we just don't spend it where we should. That's the reality. We are swimming in it, but we don't. But a lot of times there is a choice that has to be made mm-hmm. and the wealth gap. And nobody talks about the wealth gap when it comes to giving and when it comes to resources that are available to a church. And but other times we have this idea where missionary is almost like another form of evangelist. And it's just like a title we give to right. older women Absolutely. in the church. Yes. yes. And. 
I respect it because my grandmother's a missionary and I've watched her do mission style work at a local level, taking care of families, you know, reaching to children, feeding people, doing. But we kind of lose the global view of missions if all you know is what is essentially a church mother that does helps ministry or compassion ministry within a church. And you don't really know about that person going across the seas, as you said. So can you talk about black churches and our lack of focus on whether it's financially supporting, asking people if they have a heart for missions, you know, we quick to ask somebody if they want to preach or sing, <laughs> but we don't ask somebody if they have a heart for missions. How do you think we can counterbalance that and help to build on that? Yeah. So um, I think that's a great question. And first I want to say um, shout out to you and second Baptist because Way back when I first started, um, my daughter and I, you guys are very supportive and instrumental in just praying for us, having us come in, allowing us to share with y'all what we were doing um, and just being a blessing to us. And so I just want to say thank you, first of all, for that. Um, and I think around that time, you had just, just uh, found out about lots and was going on like one of your first trips, maybe a year or so after that. And I know mm -hmm. that when you go on missions trips, I have to say this, and I'll answer your question. When you go on missions, especially your first missions trip, it is life-changing. It transforms you. It wrecks your world. And so you come back and you're totally different. Your mindset is different. You know what I'm saying? Because you got a different worldview. And oftentimes it's hard, especially if you're part of the Black church, because you come back and your mindset is just shifted, but you're still in the same place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so yeah. I think for the Black church, it's not so much that I don't want to say that the black church doesn't believe in missions. I just don't think that we value missions the way we should. Um, and so me coming to Ohio, moving to Ohio 14 years ago, my grandmother goes to a Baptist church. She's been there a hundred years, all her life, you know? And um, I remember her saying to me, cause she knew I was a licensed missionary when I moved here that, you know, they had a missions ministry and they had missionaries in their church. And so I'm excited. And then we go to the church and everybody's like 85, you know, yes. 70 to 85 <laughs> years old. And she is like, yeah, it's Mission Sunday. You got to wear all white. And I'm like, what is this? What is this? What does this mean? You know? And so right. what I found is um, that the, the mothers of the church and these, these uh, seasoned women in the church, they had a passion and they were feeding people. They were going to see about the sick and shut in. They were helping um, they have food pantries helping people out, but it was more of outreach. And so there's a difference right. between outreach and missions, right? right? So I think that that's maybe where um, things get lost in translation within the Black church. And we do. We do outreach. We are there for our community. But at the same time, we fall very short. And I just think that it's, it's I don't know. I don't know if it's a cultural thing. It, and a lot of it can have to do with money or it could can be just not really having an understanding and thinking, well, that's not for me. That's for them. You know what I'm saying? And it's and it really, the truth is, it's for everybody. Jesus gave all of us the mandate to go, right? To go. Right. So, so yeah. So I think I think it's just maybe some of it's cultural, some of it's just just your mindset, your perception. And then also if you live it in a place and you ain't never really been nowhere else, then you don't really care about other places all like that. Right. And to be fair, and Pastor Jeff knows this, there's a lot of pastors and i'm when i say local i don't mean city of warrants nobody take offense 
all over the country, local pastors, they're not even comfortable preaching outside in their own neighborhood. (laughs) So evangelism, and I've read the statistics from black to white, the SBC, Southern Baptist Church, evangelical, everybody talks about how the the evangelism mindset has plummeted. And and people don't have an evangelism mindset, period. So if you're not going to do it at home, you know, you're definitely not going to go somewhere else. And, 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 and do it. And, and unfortunately, that's been to our own detriment, because in some ways we kind of I hate to say max out our audience. And God has a ripe harvest field outside right. of your cousins and them. And the old days of everybody having 19 kids and filling up a church with your own family. And that's how it was done. Now, black folk especially have to actually go. And we don't know how. Because yeah. church used to be an automatic refuge, absolutely, the yeah. automatic place and gathering place, and now it's not, and we don't know what to do with ourselves. Wow, we wow. don't, we don't know what to do when everyone, the black folk were Christianized, not necessarily Christian, right? It's like America, it's Christianized. You just know, yeah. I was drunk all night, but I know we'd go to the house of the Lord <laughs> in the morning, and I'll sing in the choir, da, da, da. and you could count on that being your crowd, your tithers, you know, mm-hmm. and eventually folk try to get right, whatever, you know, later in life, but now. Even with our young people, even with our communities, we don't know what to do with diversifying communities. Right. When Latinos move into the neighborhood or the neighbor, we're scared of gentrification. That's more harvest, but we don't see it that way. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree that it's not that we hate it. We just don't value it. And I like the way you put that. We don't value it the way we should. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to flip to millennials in a few seconds, but I do want to ask you this because a lot of people think as a missionary, you're going on this glorified vacation. <laughs> um, it's a and, selfie. It's, it's a selfie. Yeah, Boy, it's, you know, and, and, and they don't understand it. You know, uh, you know, my, my cousin Zakia often goes and she often talks about how, you know, there's no running water and the places they have to sleep. Count and, me out. Yeah. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I mean, and I don't know if you've, you've had to deal with that, but can you speak the, can you just speak to us about how it is over there in some of these places? Yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of people, you know, don't want to deny themselves. That's the problem. We don't, we don't want the, we don't want to do the sacrifice, right? Cause it, it's not a glorified vacation. I'm telling you when you, when you go over, especially I've been to third world countries, only third world countries. And so when you go over, there you you do more work and more ministry in two weeks than you do in like six months here like mm-hmm. literally it's it's ministry time your feet hit the ground you hit the ground running and so i've been to places where we did not have electricity um for a certain portion of the day or we would have electricity from the time we woke up until maybe two o'clock in the afternoon then it was gone um, we, wow. everywhere we've gone, we can't drink the water, you know, we have to get filtered water. Um, and then even with that, there's, there could be some issues. You can have what we call traveler's tummy and things like that. Um, we've been places where there, we had to sleep with the mosquito nets and the bat nets so that the bats, because there is no wall to keep you covered. There is no roof. And so all you have is nets and the bats can fly in. Um, we've been places like to El Salvador, which is one of the most dangerous places to go to, that we weren't even allowed outside on the porch without our security. And we were not allowed outside after the evening time. I can tell you a story about um, my first trip to El Salvador in 2016. Shout out to Mrs. Mary Duke. She took me on um, a missions trip. And I love Miss Mary. And we went on this trip. But during this trip, because our our bodies are not used to the climate. Our bodies are not used to the water. Our bodies are not used to the food. Um, a lot of us got sick, but I got 
real sick while I was there. And so one day we were scheduled to go to the mountains to preach to people in the mountains, that people who literally live in mountains. And I was so sick that I could not go. I had to stay home with the, the woman who kept the house. So my whole team leaves, it's like 22 people. They all leave, I'm there by myself. It had to be almost 100 degrees in El Salvador. I grew up in Florida, so I could deal with humidity, but this was a whole different level. Like, for wow. real. Like, it was the kind of heat that make you thank God that you save and you know you ain't going to hell. Like, it's Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, so I'm there and I'm, um, I'm real pale. Like, I'm not feeling well. Um, my bowels are blocked and I'm just, it's, it's a mess. And so I'm like, let me just try to go outside to get some air because it's so hot in this house. I know it's hot outside, but I wasn't thinking. I go outside and there's a balcony. So I walk out the door. I go outside on the balcony. And all of a sudden, the woman of the house that keeps the house, she runs outside and she's screaming at me. She does not speak English. Okay. Uh, uh. She speaks Spanish. Now, I speak Spanish, but I speak the dialect from Puerto Rico. Um, and just a little bit. Okay. Her dialect was totally different. She is screaming and crying, having a fit, pulling on me to come back in the house. I don't know what the heck wrong with this lady. So, <laughs> so long story short, once everybody comes back, she goes into the back room. She talks to the host of the house. The host didn't come and get me. They asked me to come into the room and they tell me the reason why she was freaking out is because the, the last time an American was there and went outside on their own, they got shot at. Wow. Intentionally wow. got shot at because the house was being watched because Americans are great targets. So it's not a glorified vacation. We're literally putting our lives on the line at times. Also, Going to Haiti. We went to Haiti for 10 days. My husband was on this trip with me as well. My daughter as well. Driving across country in Haiti, there is nowhere where you could just stop and just use the bathroom. We're squatting in fields. We're using holes when I go to Africa. It is not a glorified vacation. Please believe that. So that's that's the misconception that people have. They People ask me all the time, oh, I know it got to be so nice. It's the motherland and this and that. And it's beautiful. Yeah, but I'm there and we're grinding. We're not vacationing. We're out right. here grinding, and spiritual warfare is worse there than it is here. It's like a heightened mm. sense of everything. So, yeah, it's I get kind of uh, aggressive when I speak about that specifically because it's hard out there. You can go out there and you can have the wrong kind of water or the wrong kind of food in your life. You'll be laying down hoping that you don't lose your life. And you don't have access to hospitals the way you do here where you can just go to St. East or you can just go to Warren Trumbull or whatever. You, it ain't like that. It's third right. world. It's an underdeveloped civilization. All right. So it's not wow. like it's just not like here. It's hard to describe, but it's it is not a vacation. Well, you end up at that witch doctor. You keep messing around. <laughs> They're going to take you to the to the shaman. Uh, you know, Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy Davis uh, really touched on something that we talked about a bit, saying, and I appreciate it. We, we go way back. I think he said a big reason black church hasn't had as many international missionaries is because a lot of times missions involves meeting a crisis need. It does at times. And we've had to deal with so much right here at home. And that's true. We feel like every day is a crisis in the black church. Issues, political you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it is true. I mean, you know, and, and that's part of it. The other part I can't help but think about, and I want to ask you about this kind of segue, is the racial and the colonialism associated historically with missions? And that is the idea that missions is white folk going and forcing their religion 
on other people. And there, there is a mixed bag. And I, I think like everything else, people are more sensitive to cultural differences and allowing people to operate in their own independence. That is the focus of Lot Carry. It's not going over and telling people what to do, but providing the resources to them. We actually don't even send a lot of missionaries. We actually fund missionary work done by the people who live there. Uh, that's kind of the Lot Carry model. Uh, and then we might go tour and minister and connect in you know, fundraise and all that, uh, which I would love to do. But we don't actually send missionaries uh, out of the Lot Carry Mission Society. We support those who do the work. And there are others who have a different model. But I've noticed, and I know that was my perception. When you think of missions, you think of the settlers coming and either, you know, become a Christian or get baptized or burn. And, 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 or, or you see sort of the imposition of the white evangelical model of church that has been adopted in places like Africa. And I don't want to say white evangelical. I might even want to say more of like almost like the TV miracle ministry version of yeah, church yeah, that yeah. has become very big. And I heard one, he was a pretty conservative black guy. He's kind of a reformed preacher, but he was preaching a very relevant message about how they go into these villages and they replace the shaman with the preacher. But the people look at them the same, like do the miracles show us something fantastical, make us promises. And he's like, that's not healthy gospel preaching, but it's taken hold in impoverished countries like Africa and South America, that that form, the health and wealth gospel, that, you know, it's taken hold in a lot of spaces because it's hope for hopeless people. Absolutely. And quick hope is not the long term building and protecting the girls and that. So how do you speak to that when people think that, Missions is a white person's work and that there's so much historic abuse attached to it that it's not really palatable to African-Americans. Yeah. So I would say, um, first of all, we need to know we need to know the roots and the history of the early church of Christianity, because if we know if we really know the roots and the history of the early church in Christianity, we will understand that the continent of Africa in itself had so many missionaries who were African who mm -hmm. spread the gospel way before colonizers came from Europe to go down to Africa as missionaries. Mm -hmm. So I think that a lot of times people's worldview and, and their mindset is through the history of um, colonizing, but you got to go further back. You got to go a little mm -hmm. bit deeper because if you go back deeper, you're going to find Africans who were actually preaching the word and who were actually discipling and going and spreading the good news, right? And spreading the good news. So that's the first thing I want to say. So when it comes to missions, when we go, we're not going to just give, give, give and help these people. We call this, so on, my, on, on our missions team, my pastor Cornell, um, we, we say this every single time. Like when we have team meetings for new people who are going, like we're not going, we don't have a Superman syndrome. We ain't got the power to save nobody and we're not going to rescue these little black orphan kids. You know what I'm saying? Or these poor people. That's not how we're going. Where we're going, we're going to partner alongside our brothers and sisters, our Kenyan brothers and sisters, our African brothers and sisters to help equip them to do the work of the ministry and also to help give the resources that they need so that they can raise up people in their own culture to worship God and to know who Jesus is. And so when we, the places that we go to, they haven't lost their touch with their roots, their cultures. They do their 
their tribal dances. They they speak in their native tongue and their mother tongue and they worship God. And it's the most beautiful thing. There's nothing about colonization when we go. And that's the difference between us and maybe some other groups who do go, who do have Superman syndrome, who do go for the wrong reasons. But right. when we go, I can't speak for everyone else. I can only speak for the people that I roll with. Like when we go, we're going and we're coming alongside our brothers and sisters. We're coming alongside to help e equip and empower. Because what's the whole point of shelling out a whole bunch of money to people, but you're not giving them the resources to help sustain themselves and teaching them to, right. you know, and equipping them and empowering them. Like that's that's not what we're trying to do here. So I think a lot of our, our black brothers and sisters We've been so hurt by racism, by, you know, colonization, um, and even the white evangelical church. And so when we think about missions and we think about missionaries going to these countries, we have it, we actually, we actually have it from the, the, the perspective of racism and, and the history of Americans. We have a Western Christianity mindset. But mm. like, that's not what I'm living off of. Like the Jesus that we read about in the Bible, he did not come from America. He is not American. Right. The Bible wasn't even written in English. That's why we have so many different translations. That's a whole different conversation. So I'm just saying, like, you got to right. know the truth about the word and the truth about who Jesus is and understand that when you go, you're going, you're coming alongside to do the work of God. And we don't preach this, uh, what is it? The naming and claiming the prosperity gospel. We don't preach anything of, anything of that nature but what i can say is i have seen miracles performed i've seen miracles performed in what three different countries that i've gone to and what god has done he performs the miracles so that he can confirm his word so that people yes. him. that's wow. the difference i've seen it i've been in dominican republic with my daughter her leading worship and one of our team members comes to me and and god automatically shows us someone and says, okay, you got to find this building. This is where you need to go to. When you go to this building, you're going to find a little boy with a deformed hand, you know, and then his, like, and God is just revealing things. I've seen things like that. I've seen someone get a breakthrough where I'm praying for a girl at a camp last year at the altar. I start speaking in tongues, a tongue that I know, I don't even know what I'm saying, but I know God is speaking through me to this young lady and the boy next to me and the girl next to me knew the tongue of the tribe that I was speaking in, and the girl got a break with. That's so, Acts. Wow, wow, that, that's wow, Acts. That's wow, the book of wow. Acts I preach about. Wow. And, and I'm glad that's you phenomenal. said that because th there is a school of thought, and it's not to turn into a theological, but that's what I preach going into a Baptist church, by the way, you know, that didn't always have that disposition. And I came from a different background of spirit field. And I, you know, studying the scriptures, what you just described is is what Pentecost is meant to accomplish in the gospel mission. Now, I'm not here to argue down anybody else's prayer language or anything like that. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to argue the other sides of what people believe about gifts of the spirit, but you cannot remove the gospel component from the gifts, the miracles. Right. Jesus said right. himself, I do these gifts to draw people and confirm right. that people would know I am the Christ. And 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 so I I, I applaud you, you giving that. I'm almost going to take a clip of this <laughs> and share it with my church because it's actually a confirmation of, of how I preached. Right. And uh, I have a question, and if it's okay, Pastor oh, Jeff, ahead, I don't want to... When you talked about the partnership, the respect for culture, and we know that different people approach it differently, and it's funny, you mentioned uh, my, my, my second grandma, Miss Duke, I mean, just love her. Uh, that, now I owe her a phone call. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I never forget a heartfelt conversation we had 
and she was telling me about the aftermath of a trip and something and it was a it was a situation I already knew about that occurs. And that is what is the fine line between exploiting the work you're doing in missions and using the imagery, the pictures coming home with the reports. Cause sometimes it feels like people exploit the imagery, yeah, even exaggerate yeah. the mm-hmm. danger. You're saying that and we all know there's real danger, but some people will just say what you said as if it's their reality and it happened to them and then use that for fundraising, using that for attention for their ministries. And we know what happens because it happens locally too. I I see it with the, with ministries that come into our urban neighborhoods and they're just selfieing it up and look at what we're doing for these kids. And I've said to people's faces, you don't have to be here tomorrow when the fights are breaking out and they call me, not you. I don't have blow ups. I don't have the hot dog stand, but they know who to call. When mom right. is chasing the daughter down the street and you're not going to be here because your little festival is over. So right. how do we how do we thread that needle of not exploiting? And what do you do when if you ever notice somebody doing that, like they are really getting off on that Superman syndrome? They, they yeah. got a dollar sign in mind when they get home or you, you've been a part of a report or you, you know, the testimonies that come afterward. And you're like, this is kind of going in left. We, field. Were, we were just just to add to that. We were just in Sunday school the other day and Sonny was saying how. You know, you know, he would see all these commercials and stuff and he would send the money, but he was sending the money not to Africa. It was like to set uh, North St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. OK, well, why am I just saying this? Ain't, it ain't at some ain't adding up. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you don't know if it's getting right, there. Yeah. 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 So what's your yeah. thoughts on that part of exploitation or the possibility of exaggeration? Yeah. Yeah. So I um, I actually had to call someone someone out um, because. You know, every time I turned around, they had the the phone out, you know, selfie in with little kids and, you know, videos. And it it became extreme. And I'm like, if you were in America, would you come to the hood of the east side of Youngstown where I live and do that? Right. Would you would you would you be driving down the street, videoing people's kids and taking? No, you're not going to do that. So you're not going to do that there because you wouldn't do it here. Um, And so I think that when we see that. We have to we have to say something because it's foul. It's just it's just wrong. It's just foul. And I don't know. I think when people do that kind of stuff, it's like like when we go and think and God God should be glorified. Like who right. are you trying to glorify? You know what I'm saying? Who are you trying to point people to? To you to get more money to build up your platform? Like so, I think the, that we just when we see it, we have to say something. Like if it's wrong, it's just wrong. If it's and I've said right. it, I've, I've done that on trips, you know, where I had to tell a girl like, like, what is wrong with you? Like, stop. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Because these are, it, it's just I can't even I can't even articulate like how foul it is. Um, and then I've seen people. We've been on the same trip, seeing the same stuff being done. Um, <laughs> These people not even really being in there with the people, not really even being used. And then they come home and they talk about all this stuff. And I'm like, bro, like, okay, what trip was you on? Because I didn't see right. you, wow. you know I'm I didn't see you out there um, touching with people and, and talking to people and, you know, praying with them. And like, so it's, it's crazy, but people do that. People do that. And so I think we have to remember, like, our teams, again, we have team meetings before we go. Like, I leave again in August, August 23rd. Um, and so this will be my first time ever leading a team by, by myself. 
to wow. Africa. And wow. so, and, and God bless, you know, Cornell has been such a blessing. So he's going to Madagascar and then we're going to, and, he, and we're going to Africa. And so he asked me, he's like, I want you to lead the team. And I'm like, praise the Lord. That's cool. But we have team meetings constantly to let these team members know because we have team members from everywhere, from Michigan, mm. from Jersey, from wherever. Like, listen, when we get there, remember, it's not about us. And you want people to feel, you want them to be seen, and you, you also want to show people respect and give people dignity, right? Yes, um, yes. I was, I was in Haiti one time, and we were, uh, y'all know Dr. Sherry Woods, we were all in Haiti, and we went into a neighborhood to, to pray for people and to give out food, like, because there's a um, senior community who can't afford food, so they get a bowl of rice and beans a day from the mission. So we're taking them the food, and we're praying with people, and one little team members, I'm going to say her name, one of the little team members, you know, because of the plight of what she was seeing, you know, because kids are standing in trash and then there's goats and there's chickens and there's, you know, the, the houses are, are torn down and they're on the water. So you think about the hurricanes that's always hitting these little, these little wow. islands and she's crying. And I'm like, Becky, come on. Like you can't be right. crying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I literally had to grab her. I, and I was mad. I'm like, why are you crying? Like, I understand that it's hard to see, but this is not helping them. Right. This Sympathy is not helping them. Is not helping them. Right. right. Yeah. It's not, it's not helping them. So when we go, we have to make sure that we are um, just being protective over people's dignity, that we don't make them feel like, you know, we're not coming to give it. We are in this together. We are in this you know, together. So I say, if you see people doing stuff like that, that's online or in our community or whatever, talk to them because it's wrong. We shouldn't be. A lot of times when I go on the field, I always, when I get home, I always regret it because I'm like, I'm always a team member who has the less, the least amount of pictures. Because number one, I'm just trying to be present where I am. I try to capture pictures of my team members and not a whole bunch of pictures of myself. Um, Nobody can actually look good on the missions field because it's like a thousand degrees. <laughs> and it's right. everywhere, you know, but I'm not thinking about those things, you know. So we have a team page that we use so our family and friends or supporters can follow us our whole journey. But we don't typically post them on our regular page because it's not about mm. us. It's not about exploiting. So you just have to do things with integrity, be sensitive and think about what I want somebody doing that to my family. If my cousin, you know, Kiki down the street is struggling, you know, and she getting ready to get a, a bag of food from the church. Do I want the church taking pictures with her? Correct. You know what I'm saying? Yep, like, right. no. No. Yep. So it's just, That's it's our policy, not taking pictures. Right. Yeah, not taking pictures of people personally. You know, that's that that that's amazing and i appreciate you clarifying that this has been absolutely phenomenal yeah. we might have to bring you back for millennials because this this just this has been great but i want to do something real quick because a lot of people don't know this is not an inexpensive trip it's not just you know you can't just get up and ro roll to africa like you know you can't just roll so i know that you guys do a lot of fundraising and you guys have to you know tell us you know what is the general roundabout price for one of these trips and how can we help if if somebody wants to help you and if you guys out there have any questions for missionary kasan please ask the questions now thank you all for all you who have commented but just tell us how we can help you out if somebody wants to help 
Yeah. So, so if somebody wants to help, um, the best way to give, I don't like money coming directly to me because I, you ain't about to put my name on nothing. Like just send it to the church. Like we have metroassembly.org. You go to the website, go to the donate button. When you hit donate, they have all these drop downs, whether it's tithes, offering, whatever, just select missions trip. And then you type my name in, put in what you want to give. It's very simple. It's very simple. So that's, that's the best way to give. Um, we do fundraising. Like we send out letters. It's not easy because sometimes you just get $10 here, $10 there. But this is the thing. When God calls you to go, and this is a word of encouragement for somebody who may watch, who God might be pulling on their hearts to go. And they're just thinking, I can't afford to go. Because some trips could be $3,500. Some trips could be $2,500. It depends on where you're going. It's more expensive to go to Africa than it is to go to Haiti because it's closer, right? But um, God will provide if he calls you to go, if you set your heart on going. There's never been one time where the Lord has told me to go or my daughter to go and God has not fully funded us or exceeded what we were trying to raise. I've, God has come through for me so much with exceeding that we were able to bless other team members with overflow. So, wow. uh, so, so if you, if you sense that God is calling you to go, then just step out in faith. Shout out to my girl, Sarah Brown for putting the link. On there it is right there. She's on it. She is on that's it. Members. That's one of my team members. Sarah and I, um, we travel to Africa back and forth together. We're part of the same ministry. And I'm uh, the president over that we do the work in Africa with. But um, yeah, it, it, God will provide for you. So I just want to make sure I say that. I'm thankful if people want to give, but I'm not going to beg nobody because I know God's going to come through. So I do my part. I, I let people know I'm going. And then I trust that God will. And he, he and he always does. And the, let me say this real quick because I'm talking a lot. Um, if you've never gone and you want to go, I want you to inbox me. Because we have another trip. August probably won't be possible because of how close it is. But we're going back in December. So, you know, if, you, if you've never gone, Pastor Jeff, I talked to you before. I was like, we need to go. We haven't talked again about it. But God really put you on my heart. I'm like, I just think He's it's calling you out. To experience. So, yeah, I am. So you got to do something. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. I love it. I, I probably I probably would have tried to go right now. But, you know, since we got this new 10 month old baby, he ain't let me go nowhere past the bedroom. Uh, <laughs> well, if you would stay out the bedroom, you wouldn't have a baby in the bed. <laughs> hey, I ain't gonna, uh, I'm dead that uh, your daughter's. Your daughter's brother is like the same age as her baby. Like that's crazy. Right, right, right. That is yes. so crazy. <laughs> right, right. I, I wanted to ask, and there was a question that was asked about uh, what do you think about missionaries coming to the U.S. And I've heard that that happens. And I want to add an addendum to that. There are people who do missions style trips like they go from Ohio in teams to LA or they yeah. go to Chicago, they go to New York. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. what do you think about the missionaries who come from other countries? Cause we've heard that there are missionaries that come here to do yeah. missions in our cities. And then there are people who go from teams to big cities uh, from within our country. What, what do you think about that dynamic? Yeah. So I love that she asked that question um, because we need missionaries coming here. Cause we live in America. Y'all know how jacked up we are here. We need missionaries here. If listen, Okay, if the church is not going out the way we somebody, should, yeah, somebody yeah. got to go. So if we don't go, God will call people from other countries to come here and be missionaries in America. Wow. So it, it's necessary. Like tomorrow, I'm You're not right. in the line. Sarah can um, verify this. Tomorrow, 
I will be going to Cleveland to pick up a missionary from Africa. And he'll be traveling around preaching here, doing ministry in America. Wow. 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 So it, it happens. It happens. And it's necessary because we sleeping over here. We're sleeping over here. We really are. Like I'm all for discipleship and building up our churches. Like it's necessary because like we need to be ready when people come in. When we go do outreach, we need to be we need to have our stuff together when they come inside the house. But we also need to be able to equip people for the work of the ministry to go out. And if we're not going out, God's gonna bring people here. And I love I love people who go and do missions trips to other states as well. Like we were supposed to go to Atlanta last year and it got canceled. But I'm hoping to be able to do some missions within the states as well. It's necessary because the gospel is needed everywhere. Mm. The gospel is needed everywhere, even in America. Right, even in yeah. America. Sarah, I was I was real down with y'all and everything she was telling me until she started talking about the bats and the caves bats and, 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 and sleeping in nets. That's El Salvador. That's you scared everybody away. <laughs> you know, I, my, my whole I'm from Youngstown don't work over in El Salvador. Right, right, right. That's a whole. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work over there. They, they don't know the young. I, I've heard of people uh, as we wrap up and again, get your questions in, as Pastor Jeff said, because we're going to wrap up. Get your questions in if you have some. I've heard of people who were basically since Pastor Jeff mentioned his, his baby, they, they were raised with missionaries or by missionaries. And that's all they know. Almost like military family. Yeah. 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 Moved yeah. around, you know, from country to country. And how do. OK, the question is, <laughs> how do people do that? I mean, how do people Raise babies going from African countries to African countries in yeah. South America. How does that even happen? Yeah, so it's it's um it's definitely miraculous. So uh, Pastor Rick and Carol, um, they host us every time we go to Kenya, and they're American. Well, I, I say they're Kenya now because they've been there over thirty some years. Um, but th they came from here and they raised their children there. Their children were educated there. Their children came back to the states, went to college, and moved back to Africa to do the work of the Lord. Um, it's 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 not easy because you have to fundraise at least within the Assemblies of God. The Assemblies of God, um, you have to fundraise in order to be sustained and fundraising is not easy and it's not fun at all um and it's very it's it's humbling it's humbling y'all know how we is as black people we don't want to tell nobody our business we don't want to ask nobody for nothing you know so you have you have to fundraise um and so sometimes they'll come home on furlough for a whole year going from church to church to church to church to church preaching the word giving testimony sharing pictures all in faith of trusting that God's going to provide through these churches to send them back and sustain them for four more years on the field. It is not easy at all. Wow. And it's also not easy when you are uprooting everything you know to go somewhere to be like, so, you know, we black, we call ourselves African-American, right? Mm -hmm. I used to call myself African-American. All right. Now I just say I'm a black American. Because when I went to Africa, I realized that I'm not African like Africans Africans. At all. <laughs> right. The same way. They, listen, y'all see, I sweat now. They don't sweat over there and all that heat. You know, <laughs> they, they, they can walk for like 10 miles. I went, okay, I went with Manu, Pastor Manu, who I'm picking up tomorrow, the missionary. He took me to the market one year. And I was so excited. 
because I was the only team member allowed to go to the market with him, right? We go to the market. We park the car at the church. And I said, okay, we park in the car at the church. Where's the market? He said, oh, it's just, it's just down the street. We're going to walk. I said, okay, we're going to walk. Now, I think I'm American. I'm like, so we go <laughs> for this walk. We 30 minutes in and we ain't at the market yet, okay? And I'm like, where's the market? Like, they can, <laughs> they can walk for miles. People will walk for a whole day to come here to God. I'm like, wow. I'm not calling myself African-American. And, and truth be told, my African friends, when they look at us and we say things like, well, I'm African-American, I'm going back to the motherland, and we wear tribal colors that we think are tribal colors, and then you go there and you find out it ain't even really African what you're wearing. Like, it's embarrassing. I've learned so much. I've learned wow. so much. Yeah, that's a different conversation because... So we need to bring you in for Black History Month because we'd be up there looking like clowns. <laughs> looking foolish. And they looking at us and they talk, and, they, and then they ask you, Cassandra, why do y'all... And I'm like... I'm about to take my picture off Facebook now. My, my hey, Wakanda picture. Yeah, we we more Wakanda than we are Africa. I, I'm, I was on my way home from Toledo yesterday. I was listening to... Uh, D.L. Hughley, he was like, he's talking about, yeah, we think we're in Wakanda. He's like, yeah, y'all are in Wakanda because it, it's just like that movie when when the cameras and lights go out, it's over. It's the over. Show is over. Right, right. Yeah, we 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 yeah. think Wakanda and and, and Zamunda are our point of reference, and <laughs> we be proud, man. When we do that, wear your African gear to church that one Sunday in February. You yeah. can't tell Second Baptist nothing. You can't tell us <laughs> nothing. Listen. <laughs> When I first seen the money in, in Africa, man, it ain't got number. They ain't got number of black people on their money. I, yes. I was so proud. Wow. I was like, we own money, y'all. I was so proud. <laughs> I was so proud. And so it's excited. like Oprah on it. <laughs> Little boozy. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I love it. And I think, honestly, we are due for real culture shocks. Yeah. Because yeah. I almost believe that black culture is almost becoming cannibalistic over here. Like because we have sort of mastered this idea of culture, we really don't know what it is because we're so used to being the outlier and, and, and we're so used to using that to our advantage socially. And kind of that's our argument reference point. Like you said, the racism, the colonialism, the black lives matter. It's all important in our immediate context, mm -hmm. but it is irrelevant outside of our immediate context. It means yeah. nothing. It's not that it's not important right, right here. And now, but I think it's almost constricted our worldview. It might even be restricting our genius and our possibilities of what we can do because we haven't broadened our minds about what the black experience is. Going to New York, my wife and I went to speak in Queens, and it's just Queens. We're still in the States, but no, you don't know if everybody dark skin is actually the black the way we know in Warren, Ohio. Right. Everybody's West Indian, Haitian, Jamaican. It's called Jamaica, Queens for a reason. And you have to wrestle with that. Your assumptions and, and the good thing about it is it changes you almost immediately. As soon as you recalibrate, you have a different respect and engagement with people because you're not talking to Warren black anymore. Right, right. You're yeah. talking to worldwide black and you almost yeah. need that to shift the way you interact with people because our little bubbles, man, they're killing us and we don't know it. They're killing us. And like you said, our, our, our heart for the gospel, for people to be truly saved. I don't mean this to be funny, but maybe I will be funny. 
how many times can we lay on top of each other and shift atmospheres and call down glory and scream at each other? Literally nobody getting saved. We're just, and how we don't know what the folk doing the crying are saved either, but we just, yeah. you know, carrying on and, and almost impressing each other. Really look at how yeah. well we can out worship each other and outdo yeah. the last experience. And people are literally dying and not only outside our door, but outside our borders. And yeah. I'm almost to the point, and Pastor Jeff, you already know this. I'm like, I'm black. I'm in a Baptist church. We're going to have simple Baptist church and then go reach people. I'm not about to pour all my resources and time into trying to out. I'm going to get up and holler and hoop anyway, but out preach, out sing, out production, out present other people. When honestly, the broken and lost kind of don't care about the lights and the smoke and the harmonies. They kind of don't. And if you would see the worship, that goes down in those simple places where I know right, you go. Right, right. The energy that's produced out of the love for God and the whatever culture, it, 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 it's not as rehearsed as we're doing over here, but it's far more effective. But like she yeah. said, when you got somebody who's willing to walk a whole oh, day that they came for a miracle to get that miracle to, to come and minister to come to be ministered to to find out about the gospel and is it in the places you've went, been to, do they have translators as well? Yeah. So, okay. So in Kenya, um, I'll talk about Kenya. They speak English. <clears throat> they speak English. They speak French. Some of them speak Spanish. They speak their mother tongue and they speak in tongue. Okay. So when we go to places like Haiti, we have to have a translator. When we go to El Salvador, we have to have a translator. Same thing with Dominican Republic. Um, so it just depends on where you go. But one thing I wanted to point out that I didn't say yet is that, you know, Pastor Todd just talked about how, you know, our worldview can kind of be jacked up at times. It's not just our worldview, but it's our God view. We only know God oh. from where we see him at. Like he's the God of Horn. He's the God of Youngstown. He's the God of the States. And we put God in a box. But when you get ready to step outside of yourselves and go across country to a different culture that you're not used to you get your eyes are open to who he is because you get a wow. chance to see image bearers who don't look like you who don't talk like you who don't worship like you who don't live like you who may look um in in some people's mind i don't know scary or whatever because they have something in their nose or their ears are a little bit longer or they're dressed a little bit different or they're doing their tribal dance but it's like God, that's a part of the God that we worship. They're a part mm. of it. And so I think we limit who Christ really is when we don't go outside because we don't get a chance to see him in his fullness of creation. Wow. 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 I mean, this has been amazing. It has. And it really has. Pastor Jeff, I want to say you made a great choice, man. This is, I mean, when you told us about Cassandra and I mean, I think it's wonderful. Uh, the work you're doing, uh, we want to put that link back up, uh, Big Mike. If anybody wants to donate to the missions work that uh, she is doing with her team and Metro Assembly is heavily involved. I only know Pastor Cornell in passing and shame on me for not getting to know him better. Uh, but just knowing that he's involved with a lot of outreach and missions. Give support, even if you don't know if you're going to go, at least give to those who are going. Absolutely. And then ask God if that might be a part. And I think we need to open up a new portal of viable ministry for the church, in particular the black church. So we stop shoving everybody on the usher board in the praise team. <laughs> <laughs> there are people called to missions yes. in the same way. And again, that's a part of us constricting ourselves because we have really 
beat it down to three or four spaces and we forget there's so much more people can do for the sake of the gospel. And uh, I want to thank you. Everybody give it up for Cassandra for being a wonderful guest and for sharing with us Uh, our last sponsor right quick. If you want to hang tight, Phillips care training, Uh, Mike Phillips, you all know the story. He's one of our hometown boys who's done wonderful, played football at Pitt, came home. It got all swole, whole family swole, his babies (laughs) doing one arm, uh, doing one arm pushups on Facebook, like Sylvester Stallone. Uh, they'll get you right to the owners of High Street Fitness in Cortland. They're a part of the Phillips Care family of businesses and they're sponsors of Religiously Incorrect Podcast. So it's a little too late to get your summer body right. But if you want to get your Halloween body right, <laughs> check out Phillips Care Training. You can fit that Halloween. You can fit that sexy, <laughs> sexy nun costume you want to wear to the, to the company Halloween party. Uh, they basically have like a sexy everything nowadays. Everything, man. Yeah, uh-huh. That's hilarious. Like sexy cat, you know. Sexy. <laughs> so uh, we want to thank our sponsors. We want to thank our viewers. We are back. We are back. And we're y'all. glad we have some great shows coming up. We got to revisit the missions work. And you know what? You were right. It's been a few years since we've had you. I think it might be a good time to bring you back and have you talk to our church and our young people about missions again and see if we can help you guys along. And I'm sure there might be some other churches that want to do it. Let's do it. And if you got a problem with missions and i'll just be real about it because lock carry is one of our portals and our main avenues if you think missions is a white thing and you got a problem with missions because it's only then start supporting black missionaries and start getting involved and start putting people there it's like everything else politics police education if you want to see a change then involve yourself whether it's giving supporting going yourself so that we can see better representation and we can broaden our culture. So Pastor Jeff has a last word. And Just thank you for us representing out. us. Thank you for showing us and leading us and leading by example and doing all that you do. We are so grateful that you came on. I know we didn't get to talk about the millennials or the misinterpretations. We'll get, we'll get to that again. We'll get you back on, but thank you so much. This has been a true blessing. Y'all give it up for her. Please give it up for her. Please support. Please contact her. If you want to be a missionary, if you think if you think of thinking about going over there, holla at your girl. She she will help. She will hook She'll you make up. it happen. She'll, She'll make, make it happen. happen. Like, hey. follow, share. We'll see you next week, Sunday night service. Until next time, stay holy. <laughs>